One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. And this episode of the Force Center podcast feed is one of our deep dive episodes, one of our Bakta tanks of talk. I am Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsuck, deep, swimming deep in that Bakta right now. 
<laughs> deep, deep in the Bacta. A great Star Wars song, I'm sure, at some point. The modal notes have done a song called Deep, Deep in the Bacta. Anyway, we are very excited to be here and do a deep dive on a really fun book, Inside Editions, Secrets of the Sith. Uh, all the secrets, or not, not all of them, it, it really should be some secrets of the Sith, because right. the Sith aren't here at all, but uh, some, some Sith thoughts uh, from the great Sith thinker, Sheev Palpatine, Darth Sidious. <laughs> uh, very excited to dive into that. But before we do, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on this episode, we are recommending Tempest Runner by Kevin Scott. It's another great uh, High Republic adventure, uh, an audio adventure, not really an audio book, more of an audio play. Uh, but you can, of course, check it out by downloading your free audio book today by going to audibletrial.com slash forcecenter. Again, that's audible trial.com slash force center for your free audio book and we have an offer that's really connected to today's episode that's right another offer indeed inside editions publisher of a ton of great star wars books is offering 35 percent off across their website if you use this special link inside editions.com slash discount slash fc35 this week we're recommending the inside editions book the one i'm holding right now the secrets of the sith Again, use the link insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Uh, maybe you're going to listen to us talk about it and decide this book is for you. Maybe you already have it in your hands. Uh, we highly recommend it, which is why we're talking about it today, Joseph. That is right. Uh, it's I feel weird saying full spoilers <laughs> because in many ways this book is a, a, a collection of things that are known and, and then you just get some interpretations from Sheev. And we're going to talk about all that of how much is this canon, how much is this a, a collection of known knowledge, how much of this is perspective. Uh, but always want to put that warning out there that uh, we are not holding back. We're talking about everything there is in the book. Uh, like we said, this is from Inside Editions. It is a perfect book for spooky times. It's a companion piece to the great uh, Secrets of the Jedi book, which is told from Luke Skywalker's perspective uh, right before he force projects to Crate when he's come to a little bit more peace with uh, the Jedi Order. Secrets of the Sith is told from the perspective of Darth Sidious, Sheev Palpatine, right there in the rotting flesh as he plans his return to power on Exegol. Uh, this book, like Secrets of the Jedi, is written by Mark Sumerak with art by Sergio Gomez Silvan. Let's dive in, Ken. What was your overall reaction? Like it? Love it? Were you terrified by its secret pockets? Actually, I was. Uh, you have to do. You know, you have to make sure every page you're not missing it, and and it's pretty obvious when things. When there was one like foldout page I missed. I was like, well, that page, wait, that I turned that page. It was kind of thick. Oh, I missed an entire fold out and I had to go back. Uh, so, yes, I am kind of uh, terrified in a good way. I don't want to miss any, uh, any of the secret pockets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you enjoyed the secret pockets. What were your other overall reactions? Did you enjoy the book or was it what you expected? Yeah. Uh, it was exactly what I expected. So it, it, it met them in a great way. I, I really love this book. I do love the Secrets of the Jedi. Uh, but I just, you know, like you, so curious to hear what Sheev had to say about things. Uh, so <laughs> it was fun on a Sunday afternoon to, to pull open this book uh, and just kind of pour through 
Sheev's thoughts, and it's very much, very much from his point of view and perspective, and uh, some facts in there, some wishy-washy facts, some, uh, you know, fudged truths, I guess you could say. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. And and I do love these books. I think they're part of the fun of being a Star Wars fan. They just kind of expand your your, your love and, and uh, at times maybe even your knowledge about what's out there. But it's just fun to kind of uh, explore these little nooks and crannies of the Star Wars story. Sheev's perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, I read it all in one sitting. Uh, I waited until the evening, so it was kind of cloudy and moody out. I had a glass of whiskey and <laughs> then read this book that for kids of all ages, uh, but definitely uh, also a, a way to introduce people to uh, all these connected storytellings uh, of Star Wars. Uh, I really love both Secrets of Jedi and Secrets of the Sith because it, it let you in on that fun, like you really feel like you're finding out secrets uh, because of, uh, like the Secrets of Jedi comes with a little decoder, you know, uh, to read things in Orabash and um, this one's got all these little secret pockets and mm-hmm. fold out. So you feel like you might miss something. It's got a couple little uh, uh, things that you can pull out, like the uh, the galactic decree of Palpatine becoming Supreme Chancellor yes. and uh, a card declaring you've been accused of harboring a Jedi. It's that stuff is just so fun. Uh, so the, like just the construction, the idea of the book is really cool. And then the experience, you know, I wasn't sure if it would be broken down by really like, here's the history, here's the power, here's the lightsabers. It is kind of structured that way, but it's all feels like it's it's like a a, a, a story told by your mean uncle. <laughs> it just all flows together. It it's just like somebody got Sheev talking, <laughs> and this is this everything's just spilling out right. And the the tone to me is so perfect. It's um, it's boastful. There are petty asides. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the, I have to mention this person who's an idiot, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so petty. Uh, the, the grudging respect uh, for mm-hmm. Anakin and Luke is great. And I really love this kind of through line that nothing is ever his fault. It, it's so accurate, right? Of like when he gets those points where something didn't go right, it's, it's somebody else's fault. It's not because his vision was wrong or mm-hmm. his philosophy is wrong. Nothing is ever his fault, which is just uh, such a fun uh, mood to be in. And I think the, the big thing for me that I was thinking about as I cracked this open, Ken, is uh, that I think in, in Star Wars, there's this, there's this balance with the dark side of it. The villains are fun, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and he, watching them be evil is fun especially when you're really like approaching star wars from the adventure serial standpoint but the real philosophy of star wars is that this is sad that that these uh people have fallen to the dark side and don't believe in anything like empathy or kindness or hope and they're entirely selfish and it and they live in misery because of it right so there's that that balance to be struck and i and i think this book does a good job because you can just kind of revel in the the spooky weird fun of the sith uh, but by the time I closed this book, I didn't think like, you know, that Sheev's got some points. It's like, this is a person in misery, uh, a, a angry soul trapped in rotting flesh. I didn't close the book and go, I wish I was Sheev, you know? Yeah. 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 You know, you got to see things from his perspective. He just went a little too far, but he had some good ideas. He had some good points. You know, Luke's not always right. You know? Yeah. 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 What, did did you think that that balance was there between the fun and the thrill, but also the reminder that this is Star Wars is a morality tale and this is what not to be? 
Yeah, no, I, I think uh, you and I in discussing Palpatine over the years, we, we, we absolutely love him. We love him. We love Ian McDiarmid's point of view, but I love looking at him as, as, as what he is, the bad guy. And there's this, the Star Wars is full of redemption. This is not the guy. <laughs> there's no redemption found here. And so I love tracing, just tracing like kind of the history of Star Wars as we know it. And even going back into the Sith and Jedi Wars and just kind of his perspective on it, just kind of confirming a lot of what we know. And it's just, again, fun as a Star Wars fan. I don't see it as um, as uh, celebrating uh, the bad guys other than celebrating what they represent, which is bad in Star Wars. And it's just <laughs> kind of fun. And I, and I love the um, yin and yang of these two books on the shelf together and these two folks. And, and it's almost like you, you want to put them down to uh, maybe – 10 or that fabled 12 year old age that George always talks about and say, all right, read both of these. You choose. What do you think might be the best way forward in life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's such a great companion piece in that, you know, they're both written from that sequel uh, trilogy era. Yeah. And Luke's is written from a place of, oh man, I had some doubts. I made some mistake, but the, the path of light is right. And I've been re-inspired by the younger generation. Let's go forward with hope. <laughs> she yeah. is like, well, I, I have always believed the same things. I'm never wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. It didn't work out for me, but I'm sure uh, the next time will, and I will not change. I am right. <laughs> Find the people in your life who represent uh, either of these and just see what they're, how they're doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so a lot of fun, and I think some depth. Uh, Ken, before we go any farther, I want to address the bantha in the room, which is that big, powerful word, the C word in Star Wars, mm-hmm. canon. Um how much do you care about the canon level of a book like this? How does it affect, how does those, how do those thoughts of canon affect how you engage with a book like this? I, I do want it to be canon from this kind of perspective of, you know, you and I joke and call his quote unquote son, Chad Palpatine, uh, with all due respect to Chad's out there. If, if he says his son is Ted Palpatine, then that's information I want to know. And I want it to be in line with that. But I, I, I look at these books as just kind of helping to enlighten uh, uh, what I think I know about Star Wars or what is there about Star Wars. I'm not looking them for looking at these for definitive answers. I think they, that has to be in mind. You know, you know, if, uh, Mark Sumrak going to introduce some wild, crazy concept. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some checks and balances to do that. Uh, and so I think this, and I think, by the way, I think this book does do that. We're gonna have some big, big discussions later. I just want to know that it's number one, quote unquote, official, right? That this isn't, uh, uh some one-off company that doesn't have the license, licensing <laughs> for Star Wars is making this up. Uh, I want to be part of the story. I know part of the world and the characters I know and love, or I'm rooting against sometimes, um, but I'm not held up on all of it. I think this is uh, because it's so clearly from a person's perspective, a character's perspective, you have fun room to play with. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I really like the idea of a of a knockoff book that's like Secrets mm-hmm. of the Zith with a Z. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, this is a, you know, I think I don't want to get overly obsessed with like what canon level is this, right? Um I want to keep in mind that the way these uh, these books work, especially a book like this, that's it's to me, it's really written as are, are you a long term fan and just kind of want to enjoy rolling around in the world of the Jedi or the Sith? Or are you younger? And this is a way to kind of like say, here's how all the story beats connect here, are the powers that the Sith have. And here's their philosophy. Like, I think in a lot of ways it is written for entry into these ideas. Yeah. Um, and really want to keep that in mind that it is not trying to, you know, super break 
uh, new ground. Uh, but they're like really interesting tidbits in both Secrets of the Jedi and Secrets of the mm-hmm. Sith. Uh, Secrets of the Jedi had that uh, passage where Luke talked about like, you know, I've gotten, here's how Force Spirits work. And I've gotten a lot of great advice from all the mentors in my life, including Yoda, Obi-Wan, Anakin. Like, wow, we talked about it a ton. Like uh, confirmation that uh, Anakin and Luke have communed, you know. Um, and there's stuff like that here. There's some, you know, ideas about how the dyad and the rule of two are connected, which we're going to talk about, you know, great things about she's perspective on the uh, chosen one uh, 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 prediction. Um, but I don't think there is anything that it's like, okay, well now here's, here's the new information about Star Wars. That's the way it is. Period. This is she's perspective. <laughs> right. And, uh, this you could even take a book like this and go like, well, she wrote this down, but it's been translated by three other people. <laughs> and like, these are some ways to think about events. These are some possibilities from Sheev's perspective. And for me, the big canon thing is either what what we've seen happen with the publishing side in particular is either uh, the some of these ideas writers will pick up for later stories and go great and. tell a lot of storytelling about it and then it'll be a little bit more solidified or no one ever will and it'll be this thing that's in this one book and that's fun yeah (laughs) you know in in i think what makes things more canon to me is when more and more storytelling uh piles up around them Mm, yeah yeah these are seeds in the garden of sith yeah these yeah these are little canon seeds yeah (laughs) which could be explored uh or could not yeah, and we'll talk about uh, um, more of the specific ones in the second half of the podcast, but I just wanted to to get that out there, our thoughts on the canon level of this book. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, so going on with some uh, big picture stuff, uh, I really like this early passage uh, where uh, Palpatine is just talking about the nature of the dark side. And he says, uh, but while the dark side gives, so it takes. It hungers like a flame that must be fed. Those who master its ways will be unstoppable. Those who cannot will be consumed. I really like this uh, early on because uh, Palpatine himself is such a cocky character, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting for me to think of he acknowledges this, the dark side, the nature of the dark side this way. Uh, that it it gives and it takes. Uh, what do you think the dark side takes from Sheev? What do you think Sheev thinks he is giving to the dark side? It's so funny. You you said something earlier made me think about it. It, it, it. And I don't. It's one of those things. I I don't think Sheev would never admit this is definitely not any kind of uh, uncertainness into canon talk. What it takes from him is the ability to let go. I, I wonder if at any point he's like, I, I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> you can't because it's this unending hunger. That passage you read is actually one of my, my favorites in the book. It's just it never ends. The hunger never ends. And, and and that grabs you. And even if you want to stop the train, you're on it and it's gone. And I'm, I imagine it's tiring and exhausting. And but you cover it up and you and you just keep denying it. And because you're so close to the power you want. Unlimited power is, is this great moment of vengeance for us because it just represents what he felt was the end of, of, of his of his journey or, 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 and it really wasn't. And, it, and it's going to keep going and going and going. And so there's something about that where I just, again, not take a pity on Sheev, not at all, but it's just like you, you sad old person. You just, you can't, you probably want to let go, but you can because you just, <laughs> it's taking all of your humanity from you. 
Yeah, yeah. That, I, and I, I think, yeah, that is entirely true of what he's actually giving up. Like, you know, I think that what he's giving is he lives in constant fear, even though he's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And I, I feel like he has, you know, that great moment where he says uh, to Anakin when he's trying to vilify the Jedi of like, all who gain power are afraid to lose it. Um, yeah. And I think he... I think he sees that truth in other people, but it just feels like he maybe lies to himself, right? Because mm-hmm. he shouts unlimited power. Uh, you know, he, he's got that sigh of like, ah, I killed Mace Windu. I'm about to execute Order 66. Anakin's going to, you know, uh, bow down to me. I ah, unlimited power. That's what's coming my way. And what is his first thing that he starts expressing is like, we got to eliminate the Jedi. <laughs> if, you know, th- th- when he says the Jedi are relentless, like that's fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And everything he does is motivated by fear of like, ah, but that bail, he's going to stir people up. I can keep him locked down. You know, everything is a fear about losing his power. And there's never contentment with the power he has. There's always that desire for more. Right. So even if he has a moment where he's like, all right, I think I got this galaxy pretty locked down. Uh, but there are more galaxies out there, (laughs) you know, never, never being free of, of fear, never being, uh, uh, free, uh, never, never experiencing a moment of true contentment, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, you looked out at the world he conquered and what was left to conquer. So I'm going to go find some more. I'm I'm just taking all the Alexander the Great stuff, rolling it on the Palpatine here. Now, um, the code of the Sith itself represents this to me because it's the code of the Sith is this total lie of, of false freedom, right? That yeah. ends with the force shall free me. And it's like, yeah, the, the, the dark side's never going to let you go. And, uh, and, you know, through victory, my chains are broken. And we know that's just not true. That's not true. And Vader's a great example of he, he, he gave up. He, he it was no longer relentless uh, for the light side. And uh, it did this for this pursuit of what he felt this power that could save the one he loved. And, and, and he was literally trapped forever. That's why we love that little scene of Hayden's eyes as the mask comes down and revenge of the Sith. The mm-hmm. prison is on him and it's this false freedom. And I wonder if the code of the Sith is roaming around in his brain. The fourth shall free me. This sir doesn't certain doesn't certainly doesn't feel like it. <laughs> right. Just, I just think that that's what it takes from everyone, but particularly uh, Palpatine. He's not he's not uh, he's not free of that. Yeah, no, imagine him hanging there, uh, you know, from a hook, rotting flesh surrounded uh, <laughs> by, uh, you know, failed clones and going, I'm so free. <laughs> I can't live leave the basement of Exegol, but I'm free. Um, yeah, it, I just think it's fascinating because I think he lies to himself about it, right? Because he thinks he's, I'm free to do whatever I want to whoever. I don't care about anyone. I don't have any, you know, weaknesses, uh, you know he deals with who he's afraid of, of eliminating them, but he's so certain he will that I don't think he's honest with himself about his fear. So that makes me think like in his mind, what he's giving to the dark side, I guess is his body, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's rotting away. And I think he must be like, that's fine. You know, the, the, yeah. there's no flesh that's quite good enough to hold the majesty of me. <laughs> I mean, it's really like he, he's so immersed in the dark side. It's just rotting him. Right. There were some there were some quotes around that kind of like yeah they, you, you know I can't write with my hand anymore but uh you know I feel great I feel great today welcome <laughs> it's just, it's, it was yeah yeah Love I it. can't do a jumping jack but it's just because I'm so powerful <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, great stuff uh, great insight into uh into old Sheev mindset mm-hmm. uh speaking of that we'll talk about some of like the big kind of. Uh, reveals or interesting philosophies, but did you have any favorite just sort of like fun quotes, turn of phrase lines uh, from Palpatine? 
I did. And uh, I'm trying to look through the book here. I, I made a mistake of uh, just noting the pages and not writing them down. Forgetting this book is actually rather large. So, you know, it's, it's got to have two hands to hold it, kids. Uh, so let me look through here, Joseph. Uh, oh, there was one. It, it, I, I thought it was, again, uh, there's no sympathy in my, my soul for, for Sheev, but it, it talk about perspective. And this is something I think the Jedi battle in the High Republic era is going to, I think, start really diving into that. And, and you can look at any era, you can look at how people view the Jedi and you can twist it around, I suppose. I love uh, the page, the Jedi Order, which is, just says, worshiping only the light, the Jedi appointed themselves guardians of so-called peace. And I love that idea of just uh, wh- what what a way to sell that of like, who who put them in charge? Who put them in charge? <laughs> and you could probably sell that to someone like, I don't denial groups like that, who could take that and be like, yeah, 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 you're right. And run with that. And then, you know, maybe the Jedi have to answer that. All right, we, we put ourselves in a position or we appointed ourselves. Is that true? And what are we going to do with that power? And what we're going to do, do, do with that responsibility is this, is the burden of the Jedi, I think. Uh, but I, I just love that Palpatine just kind of like, yeah, yeah, who who put them in charge? Hey, by the way, put me in charge. <laughs> exactly. I think it is this like great uh, sort of whataboutism, which, uh, you know, I, I, I come to appreciate the opera scene even more in, uh, uh, in Revenge of the Sith, because that's what that is, too, of like... <laughs> Yeah. that little bit of like okay well, well we're talking about the sith uh you, you want unlimited power you think mm-hmm. pain is actually great because it gives you more power okay. and you think you should be in charge of everything and she's response is like yeah well the jedi want to be in charge of everything too <laughs> yeah it like changes the subject and then you go over and talk to the jedi and like the she has no problem like yeah no of course i i want absolute power and, yeah. and I think that's great. But also I'm kind of judging you for maybe wanting a little power. And then the Jedi are like twisting themselves in knots. of like, well, we, we do want to have responsibility for our power, but we don't <laughs> want ultimate power at all. And like, it's, you know, yeah. it, for me, it's just one of those pictures of, of, of somebody operating in bad faith. Yeah. Can, can exploit the legitimate uh, uh, concerns of a group of people like the Jedi, just trying to find the right way in a difficult path. Yeah, he's like they stumbled once, so they're just as bad as me, who's uh, out there murdering people left and right. <laughs> the false equivalency, uh, aspect yeah, of it all. It, it basically feels like Sheev just posting on Facebook all day. To be <laughs> this is a very long Facebook post. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one's great. Uh, along the line, uh, one for me is uh, I really like the drive-by insults when it's like not really. Yes. pertinent to what he's talking about um well, he's talking about uh all of the various sith apprentices which is really great and the apprentices who were dark side warriors but not good enough to be sith uh in the introduction that he says unlike the jedi who seemed willing to train practically any rabble who heard the whispers of the force sith lords were significantly more selective in their search for disciples <laughs> you just sith a-hole it's so great <laughs> Any yeah. rabble who heard the whispers of the force. Yeah, these ragamuffins feel like it move <laughs> rocks and now they're on the team. Yeah. Oh yeah, you have you're lightly touched by the force. You have one midi chlorian. Wow, great. Just take anybody. What junk. What garbage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I love that one. Um uh, others from you? Uh, there's this one here. Uh, let me get to this page. Oh, uh, in the uh, transference. So, th- so this is uh, we're kind of getting a little bit to the Rise of Skywalker stuff. There's some great art on there. We'll talk about it. I just love. He says this line: "The Jedi accepted death as part of life, so I gladly delivered that death to them." <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, it's just kind of not true. The Sith, not a lot of Sith ghosts around, 
you're trying to get, you tapped into some, you know, you, she maybe won this round of, yeah, all right, your, your soul moved on, but how's, how's that going for you? Um, versus it is, it just reminds me of the, the, what I see in episode eight, the peace and purpose of Luke Skywalker, letting go, moving on, uh, accepting change, finding your place in change is something that we talked about a lot uh, recently on Force Center. And then you get the other side of Palpatine, like, I ain't letting go. I yep. ain't letting go. And it's just, uh, you see it, you hear it in his voice there. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, the the idea again these weird false equivalencies like Jedi being like death is a natural part of life. Yeah. <laughs> and she being like I guess they want to be murdered. Yes. <laughs> they love death so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, and and that yeah, that that idea that yeah, absolute great Sith idea of like, you know, you don't bow to death, you weakling. <laughs> you find a way to defy it. Uh that's a great one. Uh this is less flavor and just fun. I, I liked when he's talking about um various artifacts and he says uh, ranging from ornate chalices and urns to power sources capable of widespread destruction uh, these remnants store dark energy that is as vital to the future of our order as it was to its past uh, I just love stories about Sith artifacts and I love that yeah sometimes they're weapons sometimes they're lightsabers sometimes they're daggers but also just like chalices and urns it's just kind of a, a genre flavor thing to me of like yeah. this ancient uh sith goblet it's just really cool and fun to me so i liked hearing sheev talk about him yeah i like that there uh one one i had under the dark legacy section here and the contingency which is great because it, it, one of the things that the, this book does so well is just kind of connect a lot of things we've read and books and comics and more and put them down in one timeline. I do love that. And that's part of the canon thing I enjoy, but there's just such a sheave line of uh, resistance, rebellion, defiance, those fooling notions gain strength in my absence. So even that he's just kind of like, I had to be on the sidelines because I'm a feeble puppet on a literal puppet arm. But uh, look at all this, all these, all these things. He doesn't see it as uh, hope and uh, renewal and redemption it's it's resistance and rebellion defiance uh and again selling that lie bad faith sheave is what they call him yeah like with the truth in his mind is he is the ultimate power of course he should lead everyone all the time and it's very rude of people to resist that yes yes, yes. <laughs> yeah i love that final one for me is um this is a uh, he, he's talking about the knights of ren uh, and he says, the late Luke Skywalker once claimed that the Knights of Ren used the force like a hammer rather than a blade. Perhaps the only truth to ever fall from his lips. <laughs> a quote from that great Rise of Kylo Ren comic book that I'd never stop talking about. Uh, to, it's great to see all of the different ideas pulled from so many different uh, movies, shows, comic books, books, um, all sorts of uh, great places. Uh, but I, I love all throughout, like I said, that sort of like... Uh, yeah, I mean the Skywalkers. Are, yeah, they're yeah they're they're powerful. Yeah, they're kind of a, they're gonna fail and they're idiots. But yeah, they're kind of a pain. <laughs> I like that. All right, all right. This one time Skywalker said something good. Fine, love it, love that. Yeah. Any more for you? Uh, one final one for me. Uh, it, it just a reminder of um, I do the World Between Worlds episode on on Rebels is is still one of my favorite episodes of that show. But a piece of Star Wars content only because it's just it's so wild, it's so mystical. It's up there with the Mortar stuff, obviously, and connected in and ways. And and so it, it's one that it's so I, it, World Between Worlds is so different. It just sits on a, sh a shelf by itself. Uh, and, and I love uh, going back to and revisiting and remind myself of what was at stake in those episodes. And Palpatine is a little paragraph about it, but he ends with uh, having touched this unusual realm for but a moment. I recognize the unfathomable potential. Uh, it holds its power must be mine. And there again, that constant pursuit of power. But also, uh, again, going back to the episode just makes me think about it and, and what was at stake there if he had gotten through. 
Yeah, no, it, I really love that that was included because uh, The World Between Worlds is a, a great episode, a great concept. But yeah, it's also just like truly terrifying in terms of like sitting down and reading this book like it's um, a fun horror thing to do during the Halloween yeah. <laughs> time period, which I'm a big fan of. It, that that part actually like terrifies me in, in in a fun, thrilling way to really remember like, okay, that's not like, it's not another Death Star, you know, it's not another like weapon like that. It's uh, what if he had access to unnaturally change events across space and time right. <laughs> and like the, the utter power to just go in and, and make everything the way Sheev thinks it should be to it's so unnatural. Right. Uh, and so terrifying to think of how he would rewrite history. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, it's I guess you could, in one way say it's easy to predict of what he'd do, but then I don't know. I don't know who he'd take out. I don't know what he'd do and at what point, uh, you know, I don't know. But yeah, that's why we glad it didn't happen. Yeah. Good job, Ezra and Ahsoka, stopping that yeah. one. Good job. Uh, any favorite illustrations? Because obviously the art is a huge part of this book. Oh, the art is great. I, I do love the big uh, Sith versus Jedi kind of battle. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, faceless, almost looks like Nazgul from Lord of the Rings to having uh, lightsaber fights. And uh, I just some, uh, love that. Love that look. Love the feel. And I'm not someone who's always clamoring for Old Republic stuff and everything, but I've always said I've, I'm interested to maybe get it get it out there and see what Lucasfilm uh, does in this modern era with it. And something like this kind of just, um, you know, just makes me think about it more and more and how, uh, how dare I say Star Wars cool it would be. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's a great one. And I am still totally on board. I think I really hope someday for a big screen adventure set in the era where there were, you know, uh, hundreds, thousands of Sith running around and, and Jedi trying to stop them. Jedi versus Sith army. Bunch of great storytelling you could do there. Really cool to just see that image. Uh, what are some other images for you? A uh, great one, Leia. It's got Leia kind of through the ages, New Hope Leia. We got the Rise of Skywalker, Jedi training Leia, and then kind of the Last Jedi, uh, Rise of Skywalker, uh, older Leia there. It's it's a great little uh, piece that I would make a fine poster on my wall, dare I say. <laughs> yeah, that one's really good. Um, I really like the, just the, the main image uh, right away of the restored Emperor and the Sith throne behind him. Yeah. Uh, it's just, he's got his hands up. Um, um, uh, just kind of, even his hands look like they are... <laughs> frustrated <laughs> it's just like i'm trying to grab the air make the air itself mine i love that um there's a fold out uh of the skywalker family and it's oh it's great yeah great art but it's just like it's like the whole family um from shmi as the originator to uh anakin and padme together it's even got han in there because it's going through to kylo and it's just sort of like uh not only is it fun and kind of rare to see an image that like from Shmi to Han, yeah. <laughs> everyone who is a part of this family by blood and by marriage, it's kind of rare to see all of those uh, characters together. But it also just looks like a portrait in Sheev's heart of like, here are the worst people in my life. <laughs> here are all the people who have caused me problems. Even down to this, this bleeping solo guy, this yeah. urchin. It has been a sort of, uh, the fact that him and his dumb ship have caused me problems. That's outrageous to me. <laughs> yes, well, <laughs> you know I love it. 
I imagine this one's hanging in his office and it just has red X's over those who, who are gone. <laughs> just trying to work his way through it. Yeah. Get rid of them all. So I really like that one. Uh, there's great art of uh, Ochi of Bastoon. You know, they're talking about how the the, the weapons uh, hold uh, all, all the pain of everyone who's been killed. And it's just Ochi, uh, great art of Ochi holding up his knife. And then, you know, high above him, there's some weird spectral red skull. Which is really cool. Yeah, I like uh, I like uh, on uh, was early on the unnatural abilities page, which goes through tricks of the mind, physical force, lightning. There's a Maul and a Gamorian guard, apparently about guy in a fight, and just he's thrown like the vibro axe, or maybe Gamorian guard threw his vibro vibro axe up in the air after getting knocked down, and it's just a. Uh, I'd love to actually maybe see that fight play out and what it is, and then yeah. on, on the on the page next to it, it's got a great Palpatine shot too, where it just. He thinks he's winning, but look on his face doesn't. He's not. It's not going good there, Rise of Skywalker. No, no, he's he's having some some rough times. <laughs> About to have some very rough times. Final one for me is the there's that image of the uh, in the discussion of the dyad, which we will discuss. Uh, but the image is really fun because it just it's not like an image of a character we know. It is much more like uh, in a in attempt to illustrate the concept, and it's like these two mysterious figures merge together with multiple limbs and circles of power and it it looks a lot like art we've seen in and uh jedi and sith temples and just uh cool to see something that's uh not just a representation of the characters but a representation of the idea i am waiting for this to show up on people as tattoos at star wars celebration <laughs> yeah yeah and it's in the secrets of the sith uh, book would be fun to see like a light side interpretation of this yeah. But yeah, but that's you know a lot of them are going to do the dark side interpretation and be like, I just I just think it's cool when lightsabers cut people in half. Like that's my that's my Star Wars tattoo to prove. Yeah. Any other uh, illustrations for you? Uh, a lot of good ones there. A lot of people have been talking about the one that essentially is Plagueis. Uh, there's uh, in that diet section. So you got you got uh, Kylo and, and Ray down below, but then you got Vader with his arms crossed. You got Palpatine kind of making some magic. Almost looks like he's. Uh, uh, massaging Vader's head or about to give him a <laughs> head, hair massage in an ASMR video. And the top of that is uh, the shadowy figure. You only see the eyes of uh, what we believe to be Darth Plagueis, which uh, uh, is just fun to kind of play with that uh, image and what it, what it could mean. That is a great one. I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm very glad uh, that you brought up the concept of uh, Palpatine ASMR. Now, now I'm just going to imagine him whispering, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> beautiful and creepy as she should be uh so the, that's some of our uh look at some of the big picture stuff we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to dive into some of the uh very interesting details we will be back in a moment If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information, 
information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to continue our discussion of the great book, Secrets of the Sith. We are going to talk some specific revelations and points of debate. Uh, The thing that's been getting the most discussion, it seems like, in the Star Wars community is the relationship between the Dyad and the Rule of Two. Uh, I just uh, wrote out some of the chunks and going to take some breaks uh, in between the chunks for you and I to discuss. Do you feel ready, Ken? 
I don't know if I'm ever ready to dive into a Star Wars uh, hot take debate, but uh, not with you, but just with the fans. <laughs> so let's do it, though. Uh, this is some great stuff. Let's offer our takes at whatever temperature we want. Uh, the first chunk, I'm just going uh, to read to get everybody caught up on what we're talking about. Uh, there is a passage uh, called Two That Are One. And this is, of course, uh, the writing of Sheev Palpatine Darth Sidious. Uh, for a millennium, the Sith have adhered to the rule of two, but this decree is said to merely be a pale imitation of its predecessor, the doctrine of the dyad. Legends claim that two beings sharing this profound connection gain access to a great number of abilities, skills beyond the grasp of even the most powerful force wielders. Members of a dyad were believed to be capable of transferring their life force to heal others. Some could even pass physical objects through time and space in an instant. If two Sith were bonded so deeply as to transcend their physical beings, the power they could unlock together would know no limits. All right. So that's what he has to say. He's got more, but we're going to pause there. I just want to get your big picture take here, Ken. Do you like this connection between the dyad and the rule of two? I do, simply because I'm not someone who spent a lot of time wondering or worried about the dyad beyond what I've uh, heard already in Rise of Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is kind of fun for me to explore what this could mean. And I like, we've we've talked recently about Star Wars has this tradition of going back and layering uh, information that you uh, don't know over information or things that you already aware of and, and having fun with connecting and expanding the story. This is something that's not new to star Wars. Uh, the, the journey never ends with information. You, you, you often refer to tip of the iceberg storytelling. And I think that could be big stories, big moments, and also just little concepts and little things that are out there for us to learn. Uh, you know, remember, remember the debate around, you know, Yoda force ghost Yoda could make a lightning bolt hit a tree. Yeah, now we can. And we're going to figure out how. We're going to figure out why. It's going to be there for you. So I think from that angle, I, I like this connection. I like exploring the ideas behind this kind of connection. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think uh, for me, I'm intrigued by the connection because it is it, it, there is an obvious uh, connection to me in that they are both um, uh, methods of gaining power through duality, through, through the combining of two ideas. Uh, we know the rule of two well. We know that it is... Uh, based on like this is how uh that the sith need this partnership <laughs> to stay alive uh but they also need a partnership that is sort of uh based on you know hungering after things and trying to kill <laughs> the mentor um so it is a very dark uh form of this but it would it's interesting to me then that it's connected to something else that that we see in rise of skywalker being um a, a something that can be uh, dark but also can be light and ultimately is light mm-hmm. um the other thing about this for me is that I always just want to take a, a big step back because, uh, you know, I haven't seen any headlines, but I'm sure there there might be a headline saying something like, you know, Secrets of the Sith or Lucasfilm reveal that the rule of two is, right. you know, based on the diet. Okay, this is something that Sheev Palpatine believes, and even in his own words, <laughs> it's his opinion based on somebody else's opinion. He says, this decree is said to merely be a pale imitation of its predecessor. So for me, I just really take it with this huge grain of of salt. If if it's interesting to you, great. But this is the perspective of uh, Palpatine, who uh, has an opinion about Sith philosophy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there's generations and generations of Sith philosophy 
And she zeroes in on this one and goes, ooh, that's interesting. I think it works this way. Somebody else wrote a thousand years ago that it works this way, and I kind of agree with them, and I'm going to pursue that. That's what's being said, not necessarily like, this is exactly how it works. This is the truth, period. Yeah, he's not say Darth Bane discovered uh, or founded the rule of two because he thought it was a way to try to make the dyad. That's not said at all. And I like that you're saying it's a, it's a, it's, it's opinion of opinion, but it's also something handed down generations. I think what it says scrolls uh, on a wall inside Exegol. So mm-hmm. a lot of ways to interpret it there. And, and, and it's also being, it's one of the things that I, I, from my point of view, I see Shiva's completely misreading. You touched upon it too. The diet as presented in the end of Rise of Skywalker is about uh, uh, truly two becoming one connection, uh, and which is what Rise of Skywalker is very much about. They win when they make you uh, feel you're alone. And, mm-hmm. and that's the power of the diet there and how uh, here we got a Sith guy. Uh, going, oh, that'd be great if we could use it for power to destroy with the person who I think's probably going to try to kill me anyways. And it's just, it's just a twist. It's a perversion of what might actually uh, be there for the dyad. Uh, so I, I like exploring that side of it as well. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. This is the thing that I liked the most and thought was like an of course moment for me. Of We see from Rise of Skywalker that Palpatine is aware of uh, a dyad in its power, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think, okay, somebody like uh, Palpatine is aware of a dyad in its incredible power, of course he would covet it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course the Sith would go, if that power exists, we can own it. We can control it. And it, it makes so much sense to me that they would say, like, there's this power that seems to be connected out of an intimate bond mm-hmm. between two people who are connected by fate and allow themselves to be so selfless that they almost become one. (laughs) That really doesn't sound like Sith philosophy. So it makes perfect sense. They could be like, they do this power. There's a bunch of stuff about selfless and empathy tied up in it. We can ignore that and we can still get that power. We can pervert this beautiful thing and make it ours. Yeah. She reminds me of the type of person that thinks the police song, Every Breath You Take is a love song and not a story of an obsessive stalker. Just not seeing what's actually there. Perverts for his own desires and needs. I, I, I Yeah. You said it there. The, the diet is... Uh, is achieved uh, through this true intimate connection and the light side being used to build, to create, to, to, uh, you know, going towards light is about hope and peace and, and those kind of things, all, all the good flowery f- 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 uh, flutterby things that uh, Palpatine would uh, crap on in this book, uh, and 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 how the 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 idea that they try to explore it as we're going to touch upon too, but just th- that they try to explore it with the person again that they know. They're trying to uh, raise up in the Sith, Sith uh, uh, you know, way of thinking just enough for they don't destroy you. Like you're always in fear of that. Like it's a weird, you know what I mean? It's just this yeah. weird. Like you're taking something, but potentially so good, and just being like, how, how can we? How can we get it all wrong? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that I mostly mean as a joke, <laughs> just to just to put that out there. A fun thing to speculate about, uh, not a thing that I think should be a headline. Uh, in this book, the Shiva is saying his opinion of the dyad is that one of the powers accessed by that is the ability to transfer uh, their life force to heal others, which of course we do see Ray and Kylo do, uh, but we also have seen Grogu do that. So, Ken, if healing is a power that comes from being part of a dyad is Grogu part of a dyad in with who? 
this is the plot of season three of Mandalorian confirmed here in this book. So there, make all your screen ran articles you want now. Lucasfilm reveals Grogu, part of the most powerful dyad ever found in Star Wars. Uh, And it's probably with Darth Bane from another time. Um, Yeah, but it's interesting because, you know, I don't definitely, I don't think think anyone should look at these type of books, which are these... uh, uh, reference books and supplemental material that help again expand our love and knowledge of Star Wars. I've never, you should never look at these as clues for what's coming next. They yeah. take from here. Someone could go, Hey, I read this and I've got a story I want to pitch around this. Um, but it is interesting to think with this information out there, what you're talking about, this healing stuff is. Is uh is you got Grogu doing it, so you could explore that down the line if you want. I don't think so. I don't think he is part of a dad, and I think we'll we'll get uh some answer for that. Maybe actually, I don't know if we'll ever get the answer of why Grogu uh, Grogu heals, but uh, it's fun to think because it might be with the ghost of Plo Koon. Yeah, it could be with a Plo Koon. Uh, this I think this is clear revelation that Din is force sensitive, and Grogu <laughs> is a part of a dyad with Din. <laughs> I didn't even or, think about that yet. Or grief Karga, right? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, or or Yaddle. Yaddle's up there. Oh, there's so many. There's so but, many. So many great uh, uh, categories. No, I think for me, this is the the thing where it, it is. Yeah, that's this is uh, Sheev studying ancient uh, uh, beliefs about this dyad. And mm-hmm. it is him saying my interpretation <laughs> of ancient texts or even, you know, a, a verbal history passed down through the generations in a massive Sith telephone game. My interpretation is the power to heal people is only accessible through a dyad. And that's a, that's a limiting way to look at it. Like, well, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it is uh, easier in a dyad. Maybe it comes naturally, uh, but maybe it is uh, something that any Jedi could achieve if they work to it. Uh, Maybe it is something that uh, Grogu's species species is perfectly adept at. Maybe Mm. you can only truly do it when you are extremely young and uh, intuitive, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and the fact that Ray learned to do it is, you know, uh, an ancient technique. All that, all that stuff is still on the table, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get there. It, it seems to come from a, just the when you almost almost reach uh, pure selflessness is when you are able to do it. And Gregor just has that innocence about him, though he does love cookies and eggs. So. That's true. That's true. He will heal you or he'll hurt you if he wants your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to this other section about uh, the dyad. Uh, there's a section called Broken Bonds, and here's what Sheev has to say. The dyad is an elusive connection, one that cannot be created through will alone. My master, Darth Plagueis, attempted to forge such a bond with me. Though he was wise in the ways of the Force, he proved unworthy of the task. I, too, attempted to facilitate such a connection with my apprentice, Anakin Skywalker. Yet even with the so-called chosen one at my side, the balance we shared paled against the perfection of the dyad. If the two most powerful bloodlines in the history of the galaxy, Palpatine and Skywalker, could not produce such a bond, the question remains if a dyad is possible at all. Mm. Uh, so, obviously, I feel like the end of that is uh, is showing um, uh, how uh, Sheev's arrogance blinds him, and of course, we know that uh, yeah. people of Palpatine and Skywalker blood, Ray and and Ben, do form this dyad. So Sheev's just wrong. Uh, but I really wanted to talk about this. I love this idea that uh, Plagueis tried it, that uh, Sheev tried it with Anakin, because it goes to what we were talking about of like a power. Uh, we covet it, and so we're we can of course take it 
because we're so powerful, we can take anything. <laughs> yeah. But the thought of how, how, from the Sith perspective, do you try to create an intimate bond where you, you are willing to be not the supreme person, but, you know, two parts of a whole? How do you imagine Sheev trying to dyad with Vader? <laughs> Yeah, a lot of uh, staring, uh, you know, meditation, sitting down, trying, a lot of grimacing, a lot of sweat coming from his forehead, trying to like, connect, connect with me. Uh, <laughs> I, I see a lot of almost comical false attempts, uh, simply because the way I look, I look or interpret how the dyad uh, comes about, uh, Kylo and, and, and Ray uh, have their their minds bridge, Snow claims, uh, you know, and we know Palpatine's behind a lot of that too, and we'll talk about that if we want to, but uh, so that's not that's not a diet in and of itself, which means you could essentially find ways to bridge minds and maybe Palpatine and Plagueis found a way. Vader uh, and Anakin found a way on a very awkward uh, work uh, vacation in a cabin on Mustafar. And, and they, <laughs> their minds are bridged, but it only grows the way, again, I interpret it. It only, only grows when kind of uh, out of that connection, that true in- intimacy is formed. So that hand touch... Uh, in, in Last Jedi, which represents just the 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 the, the ultimate connection, the even the, the double dual interrogation scene in Force Awakens, where he's in he invades Ray's mind with without uh, certain certainly out consent, and and she fights back and discovers his true fear, which is uh, this big defeat for Kylo at the time. I, from there grows this; they know each other in, in ways no other people do, uh, and and I, that just can't be achieved. With Palpatine and Vader, because Vader's the whole time probably thinking, yeah, 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 we're totally on the same team. Can't wait to cut you. Can't wait to cut right? you. Right? You, you can't, and you can't, and that's why it's it, the, the dark side will always be chasing this connection they will never allow themselves to have. I think that is the perfect way to say it, uh, and I agree with you about never allow themselves to have, right? Because even when Rey and Kylo are at odds, like like take uh, the beginning of Rise of Skywalker when uh, Kylo is really reaching out to her and uh, they have that that tense uh, uh, connection. Uh, and, and then on Pisana, that tense back and forth. Er, the early scenes in Rise of Skywalker where uh, they are at odds, it's still about intimacy. Yeah. It is about how deeply they have allowed one another uh, to see themselves, right? That 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 exchange between Kylo and Rey are, in my opinion, well done theme statements of Kylo lists all the things that she's afraid of, like always searching uh, for connection, always afraid to lose people, and she's like, you, "You're, you know, you are still haunted by what you did to your father." You know, mm-hmm. they know these deep truths about one another, and a part of the diet is that that uh, no holds barred you know no no mental rooms unexplored and that's not the sith right can you imagine (laughs) she's saying uh we must become more bonded than ever before so let's you know let's torture people together let's you know be in the throes let's meditate in the dark side and just be in the throes of anger and violence together but the idea that she would go and let me open the darkest corners of my mind and whatever fear drove me young Sheev Palpatine of Naboo to take my first step towards the dark side. That's locked away in the deepest recesses of his soul. And there's no way in hell he's ever letting anyone into that room. Right. Again, again, 
You can't. And, and he's going to let 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 Vader know uh, all his plans or the truth about what happened with Padme, the lie he sold him. And then the flip side is uh, we already see the battle. That's why I love some of the uh, co- extra content we have now, uh, including some of the comic stuff uh, that flows now into that into that conversation in Empire, where I think Vader and Palpatine are just like. Hey, there's a new threat, Skywalker, son of Skywalker. Well, what do you mean? Like they're pl- they're hiding so much from each other. That's the yeah. conversation right there that shows that they can never be truly connected for this ultimate power. Yeah, exactly. And and, and for me, the dyad is about uh, some somewhat about being totally equal, right? Like, yeah, to be to have two that are one. The idea that Palpatine would be like, oh, we can merge our power and we'll be two that are one. I'm, of course, the one that's more important of the two. (laughs) You know, the idea that like he's like would have to say like, oh, in order for this actual power to somehow coalesce, I would have to acknowledge being equal with Vader. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and so this is why, uh, you know, you're going to look at this. Doctrine of the Dyad, whatever you want to look at it, uh, as some sort of, uh, not prophecy, but just kind of uh, Sith, out there in Sith lore, you're going to look at it. And, and again, the, which also we're saying Sith lore, this could very well be, you know, in the Jedi books as well. And I'm sure these two sides look at it in a different way. And this is she's perspective. And by the way, and I still think it, you know, it all, the rule of two is its own thing. It's a command structure. It's a choice. Um, but uh, practical survival method. Yeah. Practical survival. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love imagining the Jedi being like, yeah, this is a power that happens sometimes. It's not to be coveted. If it happens, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It'll happen. Uh, yeah, I, I do also just like, there's something uh, comedic to me about it, this idea of like <laughs> yeah. uh, Palpatine being in like one room of the Imperial Temple and like uh, Vader being far away and they're trying to pass. They're trying to like, like this, this absolutely dark, father son uh past the ball game <laughs> they're trying to pass a ball back and forth through the force and it's just getting mangled oh, this, this is like the lego adventure we need of them trying to just <laughs> the, the lego comedy would work really well here that's what i would love to see like yeah. can can we pass this cup back and forth yeah. no it ends up in the right like suddenly jared gerard has a has a cup fall into his lap like what's going it's on yeah, <laughs> lodged into his gut like, yeah. whoops whoops <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Uh, all right. The the last passage in this whole dyad rule of two uh, connection here. Uh, Sheev says, The doctrine of the dyad was etched into the walls of my citadel on Exegol eons ago, a constant reminder of its significance to our order. To my Sith Eternal, the dyad is not merely the stuff of ancient legend. It is the future of the Sith, the key to unlocking the full potential of the dark side. But if a new dyad is to be formed, with whom shall I share its legendary power? It's doubtful young Kylo Ren will ever prove himself a more worthy apprentice than his grandfather, Lord Vader. Perhaps then my lost granddaughter will accept her birthright and rule the galaxy by my side. My visions have not yet made that clear. Only one thing is certain. When a dyad returns once more, it shall usher in the dawn of a new era, and I will be there to claim its power in the name of the Sith. Um, so obviously there, some of this is uh, just kind of setting up ex- the, yeah. the time at which uh, <laughs> Sheev is writing down these thoughts, having these thoughts uh, uh, and wondering about, is it going to be Kylo? Is it going to be Ray? Uh, but beyond that, do you kind of interpret that passage as creating a twisted dark side dyad is what Palpatine is attempting by having Ray strike him down? Um, I, yeah, I think once, once it dawns on him, what's going on here, and again, I have to watch that end scene there to make, make sure I'm connecting all the dialogue 
uh, properly because I love uh, misremembering uh, lines, uh, one of my trademarks. Um, but, you know, it's, once he's kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, well, look at this. You're the dyad. I think, yeah, I, mean, I think he's trying to break it apart uh, from one um, uh, side. Uh, he doesn't want Kylo and Ray to be uh, formed. But, yeah, if uh, – uh, well. I just let me, let me clear my mind here a little bit. If, if he, yeah, if she cuts down him, uh, perhaps he believes it's it's all done in the name of the Sith by giving into hate and destroying him out of hate. Uh, their dyad will be a, a Sith connection there, and I think what he's done here is misread, uh, uh, perhaps misread the prophecy we have uh, <laughs> of, of what even see because he takes that shot of the Jedi earlier about the cho- chosen one and, and them kind of misinterpreting a lot of things. So here, here is cl- clearly misinterpreting Dawn of a new era. Well, yes, it is. It is going to be a Dawn of a new era. You ain't going to be around for the party, but we're going to have the party. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think for me, there's the, yeah, the, the, there's the explicit moment later in, in rise of Skywalker where he, you know, uses his, uh, uh, his force steel yeah. uh, ability and realizes that they are a dyad and, and, and discovers the ability to, to steal the regenerative power of a dyad from them. Yeah. Um, but like earlier, I think his plan had been, you know, at the beginning of the movie when he's trying to sell Kylo on it, all those years of manipulation is, you know, mm-hmm. you, you will become the new Sith ruler, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod with me. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, the explicit, like uh, earlier in that scene on Exegol, the explicit, like uh, this is a ceremony. And if you strike me down in hate, then, you know, uh, we will become one kind of thing. And to me, what I like about this is I like this idea that that Palpatine has been hanging there, staring at etchings on the wall of Exegol about the dyad and only understands it in this twisted way and thinks like, yeah, okay, I, two that are one to me means I can break someone to the point where they will welcome their my uh, spirit into their body. Yeah. And to me, a dyad is, I get to live in their young body and they're kind of still in there, but I do all the driving. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, I think yeah, to me, it's, I, it's a really great idea to, th- to for, for Sith to see and Sheev to see yeah. a connection that is so intimate, so strong that you can defy physical space. You, you are one. And for him to go, Oh, like possession. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like I can steal your body. Mm-hmm. Cool. Great power. I'll do that. Yeah, again, it just comes down to the the way you look at it is is uh, is the big key difference here. Yeah, yeah, and that's just the way I've always taken Rise of Skywalker is he's kind of saying, yeah, you know, no, no, Kylo, you'll be the new guy, and oh, Ray, you'll be you'll be Empress Palpatine, but we'll be merged. Yeah, it's, just, it's always been like it's possession, it's possession. Yeah, uh, excellent. Any other uh, thoughts on the Diane stuff? No, no, there's a lot of big stuff there. And I get, uh, I love when it raises these questions. I, I don't think it's a negative to, for videos to be out there. Does this change the stuff about rule of two? Is it, is, no, because if you dig into it, you'll find the answers. Uh, there's a lot of ways to interpret it, of course, but I think that's somewhat intentional. And the most powerful thing here is this is Sheev telling us what he thinks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very well said. Let's move on to transference. <laughs> oh, another easy uh, concept, yeah. 
Yeah, you you had shared this uh, great quote of the Jedi accepted death as part of life, and so I gladly delivered that death to them. Uh, Sheev goes on, but the Sith are not content with the limitations of the physical realm. My master discovered ways to use the Force to keep others from perishing. Studying his methods, I learned how to transfer my own consciousness through the Force from one mortal vessel to another. Even if my flesh was doomed to fail, my spirit would be eternal. Uh, we know the story from the Rise of Skywalker novelization uh, that uh, Palpatine was was preparing for any any harm coming to his body and was able to uh, project his consciousness from the uh, Death Star uh, to a failing clone on Exegol, and, and he's trapped there. So I, I guess just reading about this, th- I don't think there's anything new. I think this is mm-hmm. stuff that is built on the movie and the novelization, uh, but it, it was for me a chance to to revisit that old classic. Uh, do you think this clarity should have been in the film? How are you feeling with about that these days? Because when I read this, it's it's the thing I think about is how much are people going to immediately just feel like this should have been in the movie? Look, I, I've decided to to that question now. Whenever it comes up, I'm going to answer yes, uh, only because I'm tired of seeing it online. <laughs> <laughs> Negative. I'm going Sith with that. Even a friend recently made was talking about a, a probably Dune, I think, and something similar come up. I get it. I get that. So if you can take a line from this and work it in um, uh, with, from Palpatine and saying a little, explaining it a little bit, I, I guess it just it doesn't flow for me. It's not needed. It's not clunky. If you just engage with a little bit, but I do understand that the Palpatine one got maybe perhaps uh, more clarity than people wanted from the novelization, and and that maybe it should have been in the movie. So I think that's a fair question. Uh, I uh, I'm going to answer yes at this point in time, uh, only because you know we're never going to get a special edition version. But uh, you know maybe they can uh, fire uh, calm some of the fires that are out there sometimes. Yeah, I, I think I'm on the same page as you. I really feel like the story in Rise of Skywalker works the way it is that the the general notion uh, that uh, Sheev died. Uh, but managed to cling to life uh, in with some combination of unnatural dark side abilities and dark science. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's communicated pretty clearly by by dialogue and by just the visuals of what's yeah. going on in Exegol. Um, so I feel like for me, like the answer of how he lived is a, a combination of unnatural dark side powers and dark science, and he's clearly in a body. That's not working super well for him. And he is uh, the plot of the movie to some point is trying to possess either Kylo or Ray. So for me, it does work. But I also just, you know, do acknowledge that um, sometimes people get distracted if they feel like there is an unanswered question. Mm -hmm. And I understand that for a lot of people, the specifics of how Palpatine survived or returned uh, was distracting. Not having those specifics was distracting. Um, so for me, I think I, I just kind of fall somewhere in between. Uh, when I see it takes that like uh, the movie is bad because it needs a bunch of books to explain it. I kind of disagree with that because I feel mm-hmm. like the absolute basics are there in the film. And if you want more, you can go to other sources. And that has always, always been the case with Star Wars, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it, since it, it, it does, uh, a, a, I know it bothers some people mm-hmm. and B, I actually just think it's a great story. I, I have come to really, really like the details of 
exactly what this uh, transference uh, section is discussing of like Jedi accept death, accept moving on to another state of being. And the Sith don't to the, the point where they have learned how to just throw their souls around and haunt something, yeah. anything to hang on, anything to cling. That's a neat story with the great uh, uh, philosophical morality tale possibilities. So I would be happy to see, you know, uh, a short film, a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sheev's very bad day. Uh, like, yeah. just just tell us the story of <laughs> yeah palpatine not accepting his own death yeah look i i get a lot of our force and listeners are probably either in the same boat or just yeah, respectfully disagree with some of the thoughts we have about rise of skywalker but it's about the themes baby it's about the themes if you dig in on that level you don't need any more and uh, we as a not just star wars fandom but i, I can guarantee even game of thrones fandom a lot of fandoms need facts plots and easter egg videos and if they don't get all that information right then and there, or someone is sitting in their at their desk with some neon lighting behind them doesn't tell them here's what these 32 things mean, then I think we automatically interpret that there wasn't uh, good storytelling. I hear that a lot. No, not good storytelling. It's not true. It's just not true. I refute it to the end of my days. And and this is one of those examples. So by this point, when I say, yeah, do I wish Poe never said, you know, somehow Palpatine returned? It's, it didn't bother me too much, but it, it it holds up so many people and it's used so many people as a joke. And the people who tweet that stuff out are just not engaging with this movie in a level uh, beyond the surface, quite frankly. So, uh, but I love books like this that just continue to explore it, explore what it means for Palpatine. But you go to those themes, man. Go to those themes. Yeah, no, I I, I totally agree. I think the uh, the somehow Palpatine returned. You know, I I I. I I like that line and I like how much it is a, to some extent, I like that it's a lightning rod. Like I, I hope that we can, you know, five years from now, just celebrate it as a, as a fun line. That's, you know, one of those lines in star Wars, like, you know, like seal Bibbles, <laughs> you know, invasion line, you know, that we like that, that initially got passed around because people were making fun of it, you yes, know? Yes. But now it's just, it's a, it's just a line you celebrate. And I understand that if you feel like, Palpatine's exact uh, return should have been explained clearly in the film that this that line highlights that it's not. Um, yes. And so it, it is this uh, this Sith lightning rod. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I hope for us to be able to move on and just kind of enjoy it as one of those Star Wars lines that really resonates <laughs> for a lot of people in a lot of ways. And yeah, it, you know, as a writer myself, I think that's also partially uh, where I come from is the Yep, you could have made it work for Palpatine to have a flashback and, and explain at the beginning of the movie exactly what he did to Kylo. But the first thing any writer is going to do is going to say, is there any way we can eliminate exposition and trust the audience? Because this isn't the focus. This, this isn't the story of how Palpatine came back. This is the story of that he will not give up Uh and die and how far will he go not to die that's the story so do we need this exposition or can we trust the audience i think that's for me the the perspective i come from yeah and and the trust in the audience is a separate conversation and it turns me on grumpy ruts i understand but yeah i, I think a lot of creators are, are still extending that trust to the audience and i i just think a lot and having worked in this movie fandom space for a long time you as well joseph just you just see that um that trust i think is quite frankly uh, uh not returned and and this is one of those examples where it, it, you know visuals what's on screen the story you just said that i love what you just said this is not the story of how he came back this is the story of why and what he's trying to do uh, yeah. and, and following that. And that's the story. And that's kind of where the story picks up. 
Yeah, yeah. And again, as always, Ken said it, but as always, if you're listening and you're one of the people who like your enjoyment of Rise of Skywalker was hindered because you were distracted by wondering how he came back, that is an absolute legitimate opinion and we get it and we are sharing ours. Uh, Shall we move on to puppeteering Snoke? Let's move on. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. Uh, Here's what Sheev has to say about Snoke. As part of their genetic experiments, they being the Sith Eternal, my followers had attempted to create another living being that came to be known as Snoke. Although his body proved unworthy of containing my dark essence, Snoke's natural sensitivity to the Force would make him a powerful puppet nonetheless. Through my manipulation of Snoke, I began gathering forces, building an army capable of opposing the new republic that had risen in my absence. Uh, So there's still a lot of great unknowns, room to dream with exactly Mm. how Snoke worked. We know in the grandest scheme uh, of things that he is a puppet of Palpatine, but exactly in what way... We don't know. So how does this passage affect your interpretation? Uh, do you think Snoke was self-aware or was he literally like a large sheave puppet in a gold robe? And when sheave isn't using him, he just falls over. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that's hilarious. <laughs> just sits in there in that throne. No, I this this to me, taking this information adds to the idea that I do think um, Snoke had, had somewhat... Um, had a bit of self, had some self-awareness, had his own choices there. But I do believe there was probably something could be the voices in his head, could be some kind of, uh, uh, you know, the Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, thinking of Theoden, uh, you know, under the influence of uh, Saruman, like those kind of things could have been going on there. I'm intrigued by what Snoke started as. Did they do some strand casting from another bean? Does it, are those Snoke uh, Snokes in a bottle? We see versions that uh, they tried to just simply insert Palpatine into with his essence and the, 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 the bodies exploded or collapsed or just how did they determine they were unworthy? And then at one point did it just go, you know what, this thing, this thing standing on his own two feet, let's send him into battle. I, there's just a lot of tip the iceberg storytelling there. That's really intriguing. Do I need this in the, uh, you know, a star Wars documentary, the life of Snoke? No, not necessarily, but it's fun to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And th- there's another passage in the book that uh, does make it uh, clear that, you know, Sheev has had people working on the cloning technology for a long time trying to mm-hmm. get a body uh, that could contain his dark essence, as he says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like he is. Maybe it's selling uh, some bath and body products. <laughs> <laughs> Wash your hair with my dark essence. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this is obviously a bunch of stuff going on with, with uh, in Bad Batch, Camino technology, mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian. So that's fun to be able to go, ooh, how does that all connect? But in terms of, of Snoke, I think this passage is well written to still be ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, it does le- make me lean toward this idea that Snoke was autonomous, that, yes. that Snoke maybe didn't know he was a clone or even did know he was a clone, but thought he's his own being of like, great. I was, you know, made uh, just like the, uh, the clones in the clone wars were made. And he knows like I was made by uh, the Sith eternal, but I have, you know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to take care of things myself, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. or maybe he doesn't even know he's a clone. Maybe he, you know, has memories backfilled and he just, he starts on yeah. a planet <laughs> and he has all these memories and he is aware of this other dark presence out there. And he doesn't know that it's Palpatine whispering in his mind. Uh, yeah. And I actually, if I was to, ch- I love that kind of idea of just one day he is, and he doesn't know how, and he only has these faint memories and 
whatever they are. I, it's something intriguing about that. Uh, you know, and I was someone who had uh, wonderful, crazy ideas in my head of, uh, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was, uh, you know, a, a Sith acolyte. He was, uh, he was Imperial dignitary. He hated Luke. He got in a fight with Luke. That's why he had the scar. I love all those series, but there's something about this of just like, nope, he just kind of popped up. He emerged tracks with a little bit of stuff. I think it was in the aftermath stuff about, uh, mm-hmm. about, uh, suddenly this, uh, uh, you know, no one expected Snoke, uh, to, to take over at first order. He's kind of showed up and he's there. It's kind of tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm still sad. He's not Lobot, but I get sure, it. Sure. I get it. Maybe yeah. he was cloned from Lobot. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think for me, it's just, there's interesting storytelling possibilities of, you know, uh, Sidious is desperate, right. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, he, he's trapped on Exocol and he needs agents to uh, to shape uh, how this is going to work. He's got this long term plan of like find a body somehow. Uh, and in the meantime, here is a, a being that I've created who is strong in the force and can uh, go out there and do my will, whether he knows it or not. It's interesting. That's an interesting story to me. And the storytelling of Snoke thinking that he's he's the big boss is interesting to me because it's so in that world of of sith and dark side of always thinking that you're the one yeah that's a great that's a great way to look at it yeah all right moving on to more uh, uh cloning let's talk chad <laughs> <laughs> i love that that you are so incredibly attached to that's his name right it's yeah. chad chad <laughs> you know uh raised dad chad chad palpatine uh, here's what it has to say about his son. Uh, Sheev says, using a technique known as strand casting, countless modified clone bodies were produced from my genetic template. All but one of them were utter failures. The lone subject that survived the cloning process lacked any connection to the force. I rejected this useless creature, but I chose to let it live. Even if this son, in quotes, was undeserving of my legacy, I surmised that the Palpatine blood rushing through its veins might someday become useful. As always, my theory would soon prove correct. <laughs> a great passage for once again being utterly full of himself. Yeah. Uh, but how do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's very similar to uh, some of the uh, things that we learned in the uh, Rise of Skywalker novelization? Are you intrigued yeah. to learn more? What are your thoughts? No, I'm definitely intrigued to learn more. And I think it kind of aligns with some stuff I've thought of just like, and just what we know of Palpatine, full of himself as he is, he's he's got some plans and theories and he pulls some strings. And if at one point he thought, well, this one's kind of, you know, fully formed, uh, Chad, he's walking around here. He can't move a rock or lift a lemon with the force, but he's got my blood. I wonder if, I wonder if, let me put that out there. Let me kind of foresee that there's this could uh, work to my advantage later on. I totally buy that. I totally buy that. And he, he tells him to kick rocks, but he tries to keep an eye on him. That's uh, fine by me. It works. It works uh, to to not just explain what was in the movie, but just to kind of expand the lore of Palpatine. Yeah, and expand the lore of, of clones and expand the lore to me of like, well, maybe the only one that survived, survived because they aren't instantly connected to, you know, huge waves of corrosive dark side energy. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why Chad survived, you know? Yeah, nah, yeah, I can get behind that. 
Yeah, but just the the in the idea of like, yeah, this, this is not new for Palpatine. We see in the Clone Wars animated series of like, well, I got my big plan, but I got a bunch of other plans, and oh, that didn't one didn't work out, but that's fine. And oh, 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 Mother Talzin's a problem, so I'll go deal with that. Like, I mean, th- th- this is the sh- same Sheev that looks at the Zillow beast and goes, "That's interesting. Take that back to my lab." <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, uh, yeah the I, the idea that he would just let him let him run loose in case he. Uh, created some progeny that could be more useful. I, I really like that idea. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I also like the idea of like this island of misfit sheaves of just <laughs> all the all these clones that didn't work and oh, <laughs> died yeah. immediately or killed yeah. immediately. It's so dark. If but- any, yeah, if anyone's seen like the movie, the 1996 movie Multiplicity with Michael Keaton, it's like the fourth generation clone of Keaton that just eats pizza and stuffs it stuffs it in his wallet all day, just run around, <laughs> palpitating cloaks on. Yeah, there's just there's one sheev just that's the yeah. uh, really tall for some reason and <laughs> yeah. just only says do it and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Do it, do it, do it. This one's defective. I don't think this one works, Captain. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> that's so great. Uh, all good. right, moving on. We just have a a, a couple more here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chosen one prophecy. Here's what sheev says. At my command, he, being Anakin, turned against the Jedi Order. He massacred his brethren at their own temple, giving no quarter. He had returned balance to the Force indeed by drowning out the light and freeing the darkness. <laughs> what do you think of Palpatine's take on the Chosen One prophecy? I love it, because he's, he's eating his own words on the dyad side. This is what I was talking about, of him just going, oh, those dumb Jedi, they didn't have it right. And, and it's a matter of perspective and how... Uh, you know, the wrong perspective or at least a, a perspective fueled by lies or, or covered by hubris and greed can, can just kind of have uh, horrible consequences thereafter. And, and, and for Sheev to be like, yeah, we did it. He did bring balance to the force until he decided to throw me down a shaft. I mean, I, I like this idea on it here. Uh, it just kind of tracks with uh, how complicated the Chosen One prophecy can be for those in this uh, in this galaxy. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. This is one of the things that I was like, ooh, are we going to get to hear Sheev's take on that? Uh, And I was so thrilled. I think this take makes perfect sense from the perspective of an evil wizard, right? (laughs) Uh, There's some great passages early on about really cementing this perspective that the light side is foolish and naive. It, it, It deserves, it doesn't respect true power. So the light deserves to be snuffed out by the dark, you know? Um and this idea that, like, oh, what is balance? No light whatsoever yeah. <laughs> is balance uh, from Sheev's perspective. Um, I, I think for me, I know that sometimes fans think, like, oh, Anakin did bring balance to the Force because there was, uh, when he was done, it was it was Vader and, and Sidious, two powerful Sith, and then, uh, it, uh, not Anakin, uh, Yoda and Obi-Wan, two powerful Jedi. Um, and I know some people ha- have had the interpretation over the years that that's the balance in the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... I did an episode a while back of Star Wars counseling, kind of taking a look at that. And I think it's always important on this one uh, to know that you can have whatever interpretation you want, uh, but that's pretty explicitly not the interpretation given by Lucas and Filoni and other Star Wars creators yeah. uh, that, that the balance is, is, is the natural balance of the dark side and the light side. And it's not about how many members of either order are running around. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. That is not one for one. Yeah, no. Uh, and, and again, I just love that 
I, I, when I said it's complicated for the characters in the universe, I, I love that Kenobi's got a take on it. I love that Yoda's like, yeah, but what if it was Leia? Or what if it's just wrong? I just, or maybe, what, if, what if it doesn't exist at all? You know, there's probably some Jedi are like, well, that's stupid. Why is Anakin worth more than me? Like, well, I, you know, I just, I just love that it goes on and on and on and would flow over to the Sith And what is, uh, you know, Anakin's rolling around with that in his head to a bit as Darth Vader, right? What, is, what does Vader think of the chosen one prophecy seven years after the fall of the, the Republic? What, what's in his head about it? I don't know. Yeah. Just more BS that the Jedi believed that just made things yeah. more difficult for him. Like it, I think, you know, he likes the I'm real powerful part of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's about it. He does, he does yeah. not want to be burdened by the responsibility of it. Yeah. Probably. Like, uh, yeah. I was the chosen one and the Jedi kept me from being it. Like that could work for me too. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm sure he's like, yeah, no, they should have, if they would have, you know, uh, done things my way, I could have led the Jedi and we could have slaughtered Palpatine and everything would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of great stuff there. Uh, are there, those, those are the ones that I pulled out that I thought were most interesting, uh, but did you have any other favorite parts uh, that you wanted to, to discuss that we haven't? Yeah, there were some little parts along the way. I love this, there was a line about how he has foreseen what Ray can become, and that how it's it's so open-ended and it does not allow for choice. It's something that always gets Palpatine, right? He does not foresee the choice that would lead someone to compassion or, or empathy or just doing the right thing. And I love that that's kind of a, a something that um, that he has got he's got going on. You know, it's always in him. He always he's always so close, and he misinterprets it because he's because he's Sheev and he's dark side. But he just he just could not imagine if her turning him down. Yeah, no, even after he failed with Luke, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Still right. Can't exactly. Exactly. Like, but 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 uh, she's so full of anger and loneliness and fear of losing the friends that she does have. Ah, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little little details that I loved uh, to. Um, I did love the the, the pullout that's uh, a ton of the Knights of Ren of a warning of harboring a Jedi. Like that that's uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, I love that. Uh, two other ones for me quickly. I just uh, I loved uh, that they highlighted Quinlan Voss as a dark disciple, which is, uh, is a technical thing there. And how he, he talked about he was kind of like, eh, you know, we got the rule of two, but Duke he, he had some other ones he was trying to get in here. Uh, that Ventress was pretty good. But it was a way to take her out. Uh, <laughs> and, he just, uh, and then you had this guy Quinlan Voss, this uh, kind of a weird Jedi, and I just loved uh, him kind of rolling through that. Yeah, that was one of the things I was most hoping for of uh, Sheev's opinions about different uh, uh, Sith, uh, either apprentices or possible apprentices. But I love the clarity of like, yeah, nah, Dooku was always going to go. I, I never thought he was, you know, the one. <laughs> I, was, I was never going to die at with Dooku. No, he was he just serving a purpose. And, and then, he, of course, he was trying to get these apprentices. Ventress, eh, she was too good. I had to deal with it. And then yeah. Savage eh, killed him. He, he was not a... He, yeah. that, that was he's he's I an afterthought at best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and final one for me. There's this little note here, kind of summarizing it. Uh, but Palpatine essentially divided his followers. Now we 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 know that with the contingency plan, there was a select few that were uh, on the rocket ship that wasn't going into the sun, uh, including Ray Sloan and. Uh, you know, uh, Versio's father was invited, Garrick, but he he turned it down. All those kind of things, which kind of tracks with that kind of stuff. But I just love this idea that he kind of sent his most devout to Exegol at one point, these Sith Eternal, but just the ones who were like, yeah, there's some ones who kind of are there for my my empire side, but the ones who really want to make sure I'm in control forever, I'm sent into a special spot where I can disconnect them from any kind of truth that can kind of, they only serve me, they only think about me. And I just, there's something very palpatine about that. Yeah, I love that. I, I Do you mind if I read the passage? Because I wrote Please that do. one down. Please do. Uh, 
uh, it says, exiled on Exegol, and he says, while I ruled the Empire, few realized the full extent of my dark abilities. They witnessed my vast power, yet were ignorant of how it had been gained. So as not to invoke irrational fears, I hid my true nature as a Dark Lord of the Sith. To avoid discovery, I divided my followers into factions. The Imperial fleet continued to enforce my will in the known galaxy, but the most devout of my acolytes, those invested in furthering my connection to the dark side, were relegated to the unknown regions. It was here, free from the prying eyes of rebels and republics, that they, my loyal Sith Eternal, could fulfill the next step in my ascendancy. Mm. I I really love that. There's some stuff early on, yeah, that is a little bit more about uh, the whole, the Empire had to be punished for its failure, so I had them destroyed at, at mm-hmm. uh, the Battle of Jakku, and, you know, yeah. th- then the others escaped and all, all that. Um, but this, I really love that idea of, like, yeah, no, I've got, you know, moths in that who are, like... Uh, great plans for the government and military. He's like, fine, you fly the ships around and blow things up. But you weirdos who are like, I I want to kiss your dark feet. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Those of you who are into my, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, later albums (laughs) (laughs) where I'm obviously an evil wizard. Yeah. If you're into my evil wizard phase, then you go live on Exegol. (laughs) I really like that. I love that. Yeah, I really do. It's it's uh it's it's definitely the uh, the Palpatine of it all, man. Yeah. Uh, only other thing for me is um I'm sure this has been uh, put other places, but it just intrigued me as storyline possibilities. Uh, talking about the Inquisitorius, uh, but as the number of surviving Jedi dwindled, I deemed the Inquisitorius obsolete. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that exact end <laughs> of the Inquisitors and how it happened is a is a story I would. I would love to see. Yeah, yeah, and I, I and I'm expecting uh, we'll spend some more time with the Inquisitors uh, in a lot of different kind of content. Absolutely. Well, as we begin to wrap up here, I did want to ask if there's anything that you disliked or questioned in the book. I know. I if I can if I can work through some of the uh, any any dad stuff, I didn't question it at all. It's just it's, it's continuing information, and I love that. Uh, no, these are these are fun books, and uh, if you guys haven't checked out Secrets of the Jedi, do that as well. Uh, but I uh, know absolutely on board with this. Yeah, I absolutely love both of these books. The only thing for me is a small quibble and a, a subjective thing is uh, the Secrets of the Jedi book is is really well timed to be. It's like Ray has left; he's going to force project a crate. It, it's such a distinct time for Luke, you know. Um, and I, I feel like I, I think this book was wanting to really play with the uh, he is eyeing Kylo as a possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, object to possess he's Ayn Ray as a possible object uh, to possess but there's a part of me that wonders like could this have been set after uh, Kylo turned back to the light side and he just knew that Kylo wasn't going to work yeah and focusing on Ray and and I think I come to that because uh, that's a part of Rise of Skywalker that I have talked to other people about uh, being frustrated with or confused by mm. saying well what does he want does he want Ray dead or does he want to possess her you know right and and I feel like for the movie, it's pretty clear of like, hey, I tried to find her when she was a little kid uh, and, and Ochi failed. Um, and, then, and then she rose in power as this great Jedi. And under Skywalker's tutelage, she's got to go. She's a threat because uh, I got Kylo. But then when Kylo turns back to light, he's like, OK, back to plan A. I'll take her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is in line with Palpatine. We always say he, he has great plans, but he's great on the fly. He adjusts. Call some audibles at the line of scrimmage, and I think that tracks. So, yeah, I, I, I see your point there. Yeah, and I think for me, it, it really isn't about the content in the book. It's about not wanting that criticism to be furthered, that mm. his 
his motivation is unclear. Yeah, right. Yeah. A small thing, uh, but other than that, loved this book very, very much. It's weird to say I loved a book about (laughs) a mean guy in rotting flesh saying mean things, but I did. Uh, Here's my final question, Ken. Uh, What else would you like to hear Sheev's detailed opinions about? All right, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to go in the basement here. So hear me out. I would love to hear someone like this level of a Sith uh, talking about the idea of you know the Jedi have this you know fear of attachment or love is forbid. Uh, you know what does he think? Is is he is he like hey uh, Anakin uh, now Vader? You're on my side. Date all you want. Uh, formal connections you want. It just fuels your passion and hate. And I, you know, I'm not trying trying to take it to blue here at all, but just just wondering, like that's something that's pretty big for the Jedi. And I don't, you know, I don't know what Palpatine's here for. I, I don't need to know his exploits. I'm just saying that's a big kind of philosophy. And I'd love to hear his thoughts a little bit more uh, directly on that uh, about is if, is that encouraged or is that allowed or is it just yeah, yeah we we don't have a dating policy here at this job uh, just you don't even need to tell HR just go for it I, I I'm just curious about that because it's something that's so big for the Jedi side and causes problems for the Jedi side yeah and the Sith code talks about passion I take that obviously the much more large kind of uh, yeah. uh, not explicitly romantic or physical idea of passion but you know passion for power, passion uh, to control things, uh, uh, giving in to your emotions and your anger and your jealousy and your fear. That's the way I take passion. But yeah, I mean, I think like with Vader, I don't think he's like, hey, check out Space Tinder. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right, because uh, Vader's, he wants Vader to feel isolated and alone, right? Right, right. Uh, so yeah, I, I would, that's, that's so fascinating. I'm so glad you brought that up because I bet... Uh, <laughs> Here's my take. I think the Sith are happy to have their apprentices involved in only bad, destructive romances. That's going to fuel their pain. Well, that, but that's kind of it. Of like, you know, again, yeah, making the joke of Vader go date, but you, you got to imagine he was like would want to see Vader upset over another relationship, like you said. You know, not even relationship. But I mean, just yeah. There's something about it. I'm trying not to take it to a joke you wrote, but it's yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, we'll continue to fuel it. Uh, yeah, uh, but also Sith tender is definitely something I want to see as well. <laughs> yeah, I think the Dark Disciple does some great stuff with that. Of like, mm-hmm. clearly the Sith are are very invested in romance as a way to expose what they believe to be weakness. But any sort of romance that would be, uh, frankly, healthy. <laughs> yeah, and encourage empathy, kindness, selflessness. That's a big problem, right? So, right. I bet, it, I bet any Sith Lord is like, you have utter freedom, do whatever you want. Ooh, are you getting a lot of nurturing support from that person? That's got to end. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but if you just uh, you, you just you know uh, fight all the time, great. great. Another thing to make you upset, great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I would love to hear she's detailed opinions about just a. Uh, ranking earth horror movies him <laughs> <laughs> to be like child's play you know an excellent film about possession like <laughs> uh, halloween 2 not that scary you know like whatever his takes are i'm, I'm not here to uh, actually share my own horror movie takes i want to hear sheaves takes yeah conjuring nah not enough darkness <laughs> yeah. the witch good but takes too long to get into it yeah like whatever his t- opinions are again not my opinions, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, that and maybe like uh, interior decoration of hotel lobbies. Just something totally <laughs> Earth-like. 
Absolutely. Is, is, is this Hilton good? Is this Hilton good, Chief? Well, you know, he knows how to, you know, how to, you know, plain uh, modern decor, a lot of red, a lot of weird statues. He's got it <laughs> yeah, any hotel that's got a lot of red and weird statues, that's two thumbs up from Chief. Yeah. If his thumbs are working in whatever rotting body he's in right now. Uh, any final thoughts for you? Uh, no, other than fun book, uh, like I said, love the exploring kind of the, the margins of Star Wars and how it kind of can lead back to uh, wonderful conversations and thoughts about the, about the movies and books and the comics and all the characters we love. Yeah, same here. Uh, great book. Final summary for me of like, yeah, if you just want to spend, you know, an hour or two just enjoying Star Wars and just being in the lore and the myth and the lightsabers and the lightning, it, it's just a fun book to just connect all these dots from all these different stories and, and hear Sheev's <laughs> mean, petty, uh, cool voice. It's great for that. And then also, I, I just think uh, this discussion uh, is kind of what I love about books like this is they, they set off our imagination. They maybe half answer a question, but they invite uh, this room to dream and discuss the lore. And that's really fun to me. Yeah, no, and, and yeah, absolutely. The discussions themselves aren't the problem. That's actually what's fueled the, the love of Star Wars for so many years with us fans. Yeah, exactly. So moving on then, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, uh, we're the Force Center Podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We're on a lot of different spots, including Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. And hey, you know what? Since we're talking about this book from our friends at Inside Editions, don't forget you can get 35% off by using the link insideeditions.com slash discount slash FC35. It should be noted that we'd be reviewing this book regardless of that code. We really do love these style of books. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, KenNapsock.com for upcoming comedy gigs, including four nights in Washington, D.C. in December. If you're out in that area, go to KenNapsock.com for details and tickets. Uh, Joseph, what about you? Yeah, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for all of my other uh, adventures, comedy albums, my other podcast obsessed, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, but for now, for myself, for Ken, for Sheev and his clones that just didn't quite work, this has been Four Center. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.